Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, AFC East Preview and Other Stuff Edition. You know, I just got tired of putting all that stuff in our title, so I just kind of went with other stuff today. Well, welcome back for another episode of the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong. I'm the editor-in-chief at footballgarbagetime.com. And joining me shortly will be Ryan Whitfield, our senior staff writer. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We uh, <laughs> took a week hiatus because of other stuff that was going on, uh, most uh, notably the NHL Stanley Cup and NBA Finals. Obviously, we being sports fans had uh, had our eye on that. But um, it's back to football now. Both of those are over, and we're going to be talking about a number of things, first of which we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit about Jeremy Macklin's new home with the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to talk about Eric Decker's future, and we might talk a little bit about the AFC East see how that goes uh, coming up uh, into the new year, because we got a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot of changes, a lot of changes have changed over that time. Um, all right, so here we are. Ryan, how you doing? Good, how are you? Sorry for being late here. Yeah, no problem. I was just introing the thing, telling them we took a week hiatus because we had to get all the other sports stuff out of the way. I'm assuming that you watch both the Stanley Cup and the NBA Finals. So tell me, uh, what do you think? Which was better for you? I mean, is it even a, a question? Um, yeah, the, the Stanley Cup, first of all, the Stanley Cup's the best tournament in sports. As much as I love the NFL playoffs, there's nothing like uh, Stanley Cup drama. Um, and the NBA Cup, it's a, it's a joke. It's when, when, you're, when your second-place team is that head and shoulders above everybody else and then can, can only steal a single game in the finals, you have a huge competition issue, which has uh, been the problem in the NBA for a long time, but it's only gotten uh, even worse at this point. Yeah, you know, I, I actually was surprised. Um, I was actually surprised that Cleveland even won one, actually, to tell you the truth. I thought that Golden State was going to sweep, and in that respect, thought it was interesting because I wouldn't mind seeing that part of history. Uh, but I agree, the parody is a little bit off. And it was kind of cool to see, like, the National Predators get up there. I was actually rooting for the Predators to, to take that, but... Uh, but they couldn't get their footing after uh, after leaving home, so it's uh, it's unfortunate. But yeah, good good times. But hey, like I said to, to our audience, we're back to football. We got lots of football to talk about. And uh, as I said uh, just a minute ago, we're going to talk about the some where some of the receivers are ending up. We're going to talk about the AFC East. We're going to talk about your favorite topic, the Patriots. Let's get started. All right, let's get started first with uh, the Patriots ring ceremony because this wouldn't be a football garbage time NFL podcast if we didn't talk about the Patriots ring ceremony. So tell us, what are your thoughts on that, there, uh, uh, Ryan? What do you want to What do you want to raise for uh, for our listeners regarding the uh, Patriots ring ceremony? Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Just uh, wanted to point it out. Uh, it's great to, you know, see that constantly. I have a friend who actually works for an event company. Um, and, you know, he has a stable job in this, you know, semi-annually where he gets to go to the craft's house and help set up the tents and everything for the event. Um, so, like, much like our, uh, you know, our penciled-in or, I mean, our penned-in or even maybe engraved in stone, um, you know, uh, divisional round and ASU championship parties every year. And at this point, um, you know, every other year, Super Bowl. Um, just uh, just good to be a New England fan. So, seeing Brady with the five rings was, uh, 
was great. I thought it was a questionable choice by Belichick to break out the 96, uh, the 2007 and 2011 AFC championship rings. Um, I know he's just trying to show the hardware, and I guess when you went five, it hurts less. Um, but it didn't hurt me any less. I still, the, the 2011 one I can live with, even though Wes Walker, you suck. Um, but the 2007 <laughs> one will, will forever, you know, will haunt me. Um, you know, I, I watched it. I think I've told you this before that the only time I've ever yeah. watched any replays of the game after it was right before the 2011 Super Bowl, trying to, you know, vanish the demons and clean out the closet. Um, and then they lost in 2011, and I haven't watched it again since. Yep, yep. And uh, so, uh, so, so the bottom line is. It's good to be a Patriots fan. I don't think that anybody else in the country disagrees with you on that one, Ryan. I think right now they're probably uh, hating on us big time. So feel free to tweet at Red Ryan. If you ha- tell them how you feel about uh, our uh, our gloating over the ring ceremony. All right, so let's go on to the uh, let's go on to the next topic uh, real quick because there's been a lot of movement actually uh, late in the season. Normally you see kind of the top tier receivers, top tier position players gone. But now we have two of them making a move, and maybe they don't qualify as top tier anymore, but they're big names. One is Jeremy Macklin, leaving the Kansas City Chiefs, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Basically, the Chiefs gave up on him, and he found a home with the Ravens. And there was some talk that he could have gone to the Bills, he could have gone to the Eagles, he ended up with the Ravens. So that's very interesting. And number two is Eric Decker, who um, the uh, who Gang Green's finally given up on. He's uh, on his way out from the Jets. They did the stupidest thing by announcing that they were either going to release him or trade him, which basically signals to everybody to just kind of stay put and wait for them to release him. So Eric Decker gets a chance to pick a new home as well. So let me start with Macklin. What are your thoughts about Macklin and his new fit with the Baltimore Ravens? He's had a couple good years, two 1,000-yard-plus years, but last year with the Kansas City Chiefs was was definitely a down year, only played 12 games, only 536 yards and two touchdowns. His, uh, his, he had the second lowest catch percentage of his career at 57.9%, and his lowest yards per reception uh, of any year at only 12.2. So tell us, what do you think about Jeremy Macklin? Anything left in the tank? Is this a significant signing for the Baltimore Ravens? Um, you know, with Macklin, I don't think he's a, a great player, and I don't think he's ever been. For me, he's one of those guys that's put up some gaudy numbers some years. But typically, to me, that's always come against bad competition. Um, and when he goes against, when he gets, gets to a big game or on a big stage, um, you know, it is really perform. You know, one of the biggest tests I always believe in, because, you know, I'm not a big stats person. I think stats are great when, when, they, when they pass the eye test, and that's how we decipher between the greatest. Um, but when you're talking players in general, the first test I go to is the eye test. And so I often go to the memory bank. It's the question you've heard me ask before. But name me the biggest single play of Jeremy Macklin too. He can't, you know. Theo, Theo has has the you know the moment in the Super Bowl with the the high ankle sprain and, and the catch against uh, Green Bay and in San Francisco back in '98 in between two guys getting hit. You know, like big players have that marquee moment you remember. Jeremy Macklin's never had that, so I don't think he's great to begin with. Um, how much he has left in the tank? I mean, I don't know it's hard to evaluate receivers in that in that offense. Um, I don't I don't think by any stretch um, you could say Kansas City's got embarrassment of issues. So I would, I would hold on to every asset you had, personally. Um, but that's not the route they've gone here. Um, him playing for the Ravens, though, specifically. I feel like every year, the last couple of years, I keep biting on on the deep threat in Baltimore because of, I mean, that's real flash of specialty. You've got a cannon arm. You can step back and go to the ball and during the afternoon to fast guys and get downfield. Um, but it hasn't really panned out. You know, I bit hard on Mike Wallace. I think I uh, 
at least in one league the year he went to Baltimore, I completely over, oh, uh, you know, reached for him in the draft. Um, in my fantasy, one of my fantasy leagues, because I was like, oh, you know, that speed downfield, this guy throwing the ball. Um, right. But I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of issues, and I just, um, you know, I think I think you'll see similar last year, probably a little bit of an uptick. I'd say probably closer to five touchdowns, 700 yards this year. Um, but he's not he's not going to be a Pro Bowl player there. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll probably be around that. I mean, within his mediocre years at Philly, he was averaging around 850 yards and about five to seven touchdowns. I think he might be good for that. I mean, you know, Flacco, we, as much as you want to talk, you know, as much as you want to say that he's not that good, the fact of the matter is that he's had success before targeting Mike Wallace. He's had success targeting Steve Smith Sr. Um, I just think that the Ravens are going to look to try to get Brashad Perriman running and, and see what he has because, quite frankly, he's been so injured over the last two years. They just don't know what they have in, uh, in Perriman. I mean, last year he was – ranked 85th amongst 96 receivers, by, uh, according to Pro Football Focus's wide receiver rating. So he's obviously not doing well, but he, he's been dealing with so many PCL injuries and struggled on the field so much. I think they want to know what they have in him more so than what they're going to do with Jeremy Macklin. Um, I just don't, I don't see him actually slotting in and, and doing much more than that either. So, but I do think it's a great spot for him because it's better. I mean, Flacco has a bigger arm. Uh, than uh, than Alex Smith, and I, they're more willing to go downfield. And Jermaine Macklin can make a play here and again. He's only 29 years old, so you know who knows? Maybe he can reinvent himself in uh, in uh, Baltimore. I do think it's a good good place for him to land, um, particularly in, in yeah, as compared to uh, going to Buffalo. All right, let's talk about uh, Eric Decker now. What about Eric Decker? What do you think about what's left in the tank for Eric Decker, and whether it's worth a team picking him up? He's in his he's age 30 year. Um, you know, he's had some good years. It's had 3,000-plus seasons uh, to win Denver. He actually had one for the Jets in 2015. He's had double-digit touchdowns every year. He's had 1,000-plus. Uh, but last year was just a, was, a, was a wasted year. You know, injury took him out. He only played in three games. He had 194 yards and, and two touchdowns. Um, you know, he didn't have great quarterback play. His catch percentage was down, but I think it's because he was just wasn't targeted well um, at the beginning of the season when he actually did play. Uh, so what do you think about Eric Decker? What, what are the chances that he will actually find a place that will be a good fit for him going forward, and what are your thoughts on where he should end up? Yeah, so I think, I think Eric Decker's your, you know, your traditional um, number two guy. You know, when he's right. in the number two role, he can thousand yard season um but i think you saw you know before marshall's arrival in, in new york what happens when you go and make him the number one guy you know you really need somebody there to take the number one coverage and he can excel in the number two coverage coming off uh the season the injury he had probably more closer to number three um but on a bad you know a team that's kind of hurting for wide receivers um that's a competitive team you know this is not a guy i break the bank for if i'm a low level team you know that has no shot of winning this year not he's not gonna he's not a sexy enough name um, to put to put butts in the seat. Um, you know maybe if uh, if Jesse his wife there shows up uh, you know and sits in the front <laughs> row you get some you know, some people throwing out seats. She's but, notable. She's um, definitely notable. She is. Um, but the rest of them, uh, the rest of them I would uh, you know the rest of the teams he's, he's not sexy enough. So like a place like LA doesn't make sense to me. I I think the most logical place uh, in my opinion um, given. Uh, my favorite draft pick of the draft last year, Dalvin Cooks, um, in the in the late uh, in the mid second round. Um, you have Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, the serviceable tight end. You know, my, my Notre Dame love talking. 
Um, but I think if you go slot him there as the number two option, I think he could be a weapon for them. And with a really good defense, I think, you know, I know typically we run through a couple different options that would be a good fit. I think that is the option. And I think those things, if you're thinking about it, and then, you know, hopefully uh, Zimmerman, who uh, is, you know, is, uh, known for his uh, his non-trusting and his inability to trust rookies, hopefully he lets who I thought was one of the better draft, draft picks last year with Colin Treadwell, um, get a little more play this year. Um, and right. so if you have Treadwell, Stephon Diggs, and Eric Decker on a team that really just needed, you know, a semblance of an offense last year with how good that defense was at stretches, um, yep. I think that makes the most sense. It could really help them win in the North. So um, that's my that's my one, no, no, my number one and really my only landing spot for, for Decker. Well, well, I actually a good one. I actually didn't even think about the Vikings, but as I totally agree with that, I think that he would be a good fit there. Certainly, he doesn't have to carry the number one load. They already have a system in place that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, we do know for a fact that the Broncos are not interested. Vance Joseph did come out and say that they're not interested in Eric Decker. They're happy with the wide receiving core they have. Uh, the Eagles also had mentioned that they're unlikely to go after Eric Decker. They were very much in the mix to try and get Jeremy Macklin back, but it's because of the history they had of Macklin, not because they really wanted to grab any old wide receiver. So um, they've kind of, uh, it's been reports that they're not going to be interested in Eric Decker either. My only other thought uh, is what about going to Pittsburgh? What about going to Pittsburgh? Because you know, they have Martavis Bryant and Darius Herod Bay there. They got that guy, they have some new, new faces there as well. But rather than Antonio Brown, they really don't have a huge threat. And Antonio Brown's a clear number one. That would open up a lot of a lot of field for Eric Decker to, to kind of roam. And as you said, he's a good number two wide receiver. And what do you think about Eric Decker in Pittsburgh? <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. Um, uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but uh, I do – I don't hate that idea. Um, I think – and that's not as typical in a lot of, in a lot of ways um, when a player disappears. Not, not just what you said, but – I think there's a little bit of revisionist history on how good Martavis Bryant is or how, how uh, mediocre people are saying he is. I think Martavis Bryant is a stud. He's a mental case, and he you know, obviously can't stop smoking weed, um, but that seems to be a, a unilateral problem there in Pittsburgh. Um, but if, you know, provided he can uh, you know, stay on track, I think he's this dynamic and number two he can have. And I really liked how Eli Rogers developed last year. So I don't think it's fully necessary, but if you tell me, you're bringing him in as an insurance claim. Um, you know, obviously remember Timmy Colt was pretty dynamic last year too before the the, the weird left, uh, you know, hand ligament injury he had where he couldn't like, catch balls anymore. Um, right. So, you know, if, but if you bring him into camp there, if no one else signs him, you can bring him on the better minimum and have him there to push the young kids and you make a decision out of the, you know, the, the two lower guys there, Eli and uh, um, Sammy Coates. You know, I think Eli would be the, out man, the man looking out there if Eric Decker wins out in camp, but – um, competition is yep. never a bad thing, so that's actually you know a, a pretty good landing spot. And I, their defense is on the come, and if they can just get their, uh, you know, just their offense just a little more solidified and a little less two dimensional, because um, you saw you know obviously just how inept that offense was last right. year when uh, when um, Jesus, why am I forgetting his name? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell goes on the Le'Veon Bell, too, right? And now all, you, now all you do is key on, um, you know, key on Antonio Brown. Brown. I think. You know, the game, yeah. the game, the you know the name of the game in the NFL is. I think you need to have three real dynamic weapons. You know the, the famous Belichick documentary in 2009 of football life. Um, that 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 scene where he's sitting in the room and even as good as that offense was, he said all you have to do is take take Moss off the top and come down on Welker and what do we have after that? Nothing. And so you know you right. can you can shut down two facets when you have the third or fourth guy. That's when an offense becomes unguardable. So 
Um, yeah, I, I bring him in there. Um, you know, I again, if I'm Minnesota, I'm, I'm already calling his agent, so they should make that move before Pittsburgh gets a chance. But if in a week he's still sitting out there, why not invite him into camp, see what he has? Right. I think that he's going to be a contributor. He has potential to be sure he's definitely the best of what's available out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, like I said, it's very un- it's usually you don't have these big names floating around this late who actually aren't that old. I mean, they, he's only 30. All right, so with that said, let's ring the bell on this topic. Let's go to our next topic, which actually is um, going to be really interesting because we're going to start talking about each of the divisions, and we're going to preview all of them for 2017. Uh, no surprise, we're going to start with the AFC East. We're going to talk about the Bills. We're going to talk about the Dolphins. We're going to talk about the Jets. And we're going to talk about, of course, the New England Patriots and what they've done so far. But let's start with the Buffalo Bills first. All right. So Buffalo Bills in 2016, 7-9, ended up third in the AFC East. Some of the uh, important additions, of course, they got a new head coach in Sean McDermott. They got a new GM in uh, Brandon Bean, although they really waited a long time for that, keeping Doug Whaley there for a long time all the way through the draft. They also also managed to add uh, a fullback in Patrick DeMarco, uh, safety Micah Hyde, they got a new kicker in Steven Hauschka, and they were dra- and a drafted cornerback Tredavious White in the first round and wide receiver Zay Jones in the second round. Now, on the other hand, they also lost some significant players in cornerback Stephon Gilmore, wide receiver Robert Woods, running back Mike Gillisley, linebacker Zach Brown, safety Aaron Williams, and, of course, their kicker Dan Carpenter, uh, which they replaced already. So what are your thoughts about the Buffalo Bills? New coach? New GM, new outlook. They decided to re-sign their uh, uh, Tyrod Taylor. What are your thoughts about what's going to happen to the Bills? Yeah, they, they still have no. They still have no offensive weapons. Um, and I still think their defense is good enough. Um, you know, really, the only thing you need to really say about the, the Buffalo Bills offseason is that they let their the GM that they had unilaterally decided they were going to fire. They let him right. draft. And then fired him, which is <laughs> well. It's clear that McDermott I, I was drafting. They just let him sit there, which is even more awkward. I, I'm going past sports. Um, that is one of the dumbest decisions in maybe all all of mankind. Um, that is, <laughs> it, it's just it, it's just unbelievable that that the team could be so dysfunctional that they would allow that to happen. Um, I think Tyrod Taylor is serviceable. I've been saying this for years. It's just unbelievable to me. Their defense is not elite. Yet all they do is keep adding to the defense. And, I, and when I say not elite, I don't mean, you know, I don't look at it like an Atlanta Falcons defense or, um, you know, or, 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 you know, the Houston Texans defense from like two or three years ago where I say, wow, they got a lot of good young players. They're just not quite there yet. And, and they'll develop. I look at, they have a bunch of good, not great players in that defense. And if you're going to be that crappy on offense, you have to have an elite defense. They don't have it. They haven't built it. And then I just, I just, the AFC East, man, God, do they make me so mad because it would be fun. You know, I remember in the early 2000s, the Colts Patriots games and, and the Dolphins when Marino was there. And that was always our litmus test. And the, the division's such a joke. From Danny Woodhead, you know, throughout, you know, now to last year with Chris Hogan and, and, and now again this year with Gillisley and Stephon Gilmore. I mean, how many times are you going to let players walk out of your door and go join the best team in your division? Like, if the Patriots, right. if the Patriots put the restricted free agent offer to, your, to one of your players, Buffalo, just sign him. Just know that he's going to he's going to kick your ass later that year with New England. So you've got to prevent it from happening. You just saw it last year, 
and I thought Hogan was the third best receiver on their team last year, and I said, what are you left with? Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. And now the Robert Woods thing. And it's, you know, they just, they just, they're not collecting any offensive players over there. Sammy Watkins is a one-note, dumb football player. He's not smart. He, he, he just knows how to run a fly route, and he's got some good athleticism. And he, But the worst thing about him, I always say in life, there's nothing worse than a stupid person who thinks they're smart. And in sports, there's nothing than, a, than an okay player who thinks he's the best. And that's Sammy Watkins. Right. Um, so, you know, at, at best, and I don't think Sean McDermott's going to be a great coach. Um, yeah, I was not impressed with that, with that signing. I, so I think, I think, or that, that hiring. So I, I got him at best 7-9, and nine, but more likely a 6-10, and 5-11 season. Yeah, so I, I don't think the Buffalo Bills have done enough in order to turn things around. So much of this is going to rely on what Sean McDermott does this year as uh, in his first year as coach. I don't think the uh, expectations are that high, but I do think he's going to have to produce at least a little bit in order to stay off the hot seat. I mean, he does have a new GM working with him, which is the first time they've had that for a long time. I and mean, people don't remember, but Doug Whaley has been part of the organization in Buffalo since 2010 and became the general manager in 2013 and, and actually survived several different coaches. So they never were aligned with one voice, and now they are. So maybe they can make some changes. Who knows what's going to happen? I think a lot is also going to rely on, on Shady, if he can actually, if LaShawn McCoy can be LaShawn McCoy, because as you say, they don't have many other offensive threats. And now that they've lost Mike Gillisley, it's also going to rely on Jonathan Williams and whether he can step up and be a significant uh, factor in that backfield. Now, what I hear is that Mike Tolbert is going to be their number two running back, which is the most inane thing I've ever heard in my life. But, you know, hey, you know what? We'll see what they do. We'll see what happens. I don't have much uh, hope that the Bills are going to be any higher than third in the AFC East. And I don't think, and the only reason why I don't think they're going to be last is because of this next team we're going to talk about, and that's the New York Jets. They are certainly uh, gunning for last and gunning for the first uh, pick in the draft in 2018. In 2016, they were 5-11, fourth in the AFC East. Their big additions this year, quarterback Josh McCowan, uh, cornerback Morris Claiborne, uh, left tackle Kelvin Beecham, safety Jamal Adams, who they drafted in the first round, and then they picked up Chandler Catanzaro as their kicker to replace Nick Folk, who went out the door. Uh, who they lost, Darrell Rivas, not a big deal since he really wasn't playing up to snuff anyway. Nick Mangold at center, Brandon Marshall at wide receiver, Ryan Clady at tackle, and Reno Giacomini at tackle. So what do you think about the Jets? I mean, they've, they really have done exactly nothing. But it was only 17 months ago that they had double-digit wins and was one victory away from a postseason berth. You know, what do you think is going to happen to the Jets? What do you think, uh, they, what do you think about what they did in the offseason? Yeah, one win away from postseason berth. They were one quarter till Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, predictably crapped down his leg. Um, <laughs> right. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're obviously tanking for the number one pick. Um, it's supposed to be a deep quarterback class with about three guys who are projected to go in like, the top five um, yep. next year, which <clears throat> we've been, uh, they've been saying around here the last couple weeks, which is uh, great, that it's the most Jets thing ever. They're going to tank. They're going to go in. There's going to be – and there's really four guys who are supposed to go in the top ten. Um, and they're going to pick the wrong one because that's just the, uh, just what the Jets do. So, um, <laughs> right. but when when your one of your biggest you know uh, uh, additions to the team is a kicker who uh, missed an overtime uh, twenty three yard field goal indoors last year, um, you know you got some yeah. issues. So not good. Um, not much else to say about them. Yeah, they, they're they're a high candidate for an zero sixteen campaign, um, but definitely no more than two wins. Yeah, no, I, I think there's going to be – well, two wins is actually seems almost generous <laughs> in some ways. But I can say this. It's interesting because 
this year um, they were very, you know, they they decided that they're going to rebuild. I mean, before they were like, let's do an aggressive rebuild where we, you know, kind of be competitive. No, 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 no. You guys can't. They had to re completely. So they blew it up. They have tons of cap space. They rebuild. They've traded back four times in the draft. Increased their haul to nine picks. They got a fifth rounder in 2018. Um, their top two picks were safeties. They're clearly, clearly looking to rebuild. But does it sound familiar to Jets fans? In 2014. They actually drafted 12 players. They tried to they tried to hoard as many draft picks as they could. They got 12 players. Of those 12, only three of them are still on their roster. And of course, both the general manager and their uh, and their uh, and Rex Ryan, their coach, were fired eight months after making all those picks. So, you know, it's very it's very difficult to see what they're trying to accomplish here. It's, I don't know if they have a clear vision themselves. They really have to figure out what they have in Christian Hackenberg. But all accounts I've heard, he's just terrible. He's a waste. Uh, I think that they're going to have to throw him out there and throw him to the wolves and let him fail so they can get rid of him and move on because Josh McCown is not the answer uh, long-term either. And I agree with you, maybe two wins at most. Let's go to the next team. That's the Miami Dolphins. For Save the best for last. I hate to say that, but it's true. Miami Dolphins in 2016 were 10-6, second in AFC East. They lost in the wild card round. They actually exceeded a lot of expectations with Adam Gase as their, as their head coach. He's going into his second year now. They added linebacker Lawrence Timmons, safety Nate Allen, tight end Julius Thomas through a trade, and defensive lineman Williams Hay- William Hayes through a trade. They drafted defensive end Charles Harris in the first round. They managed to lose tackle Brandon Albert, defensive end Mario Williams, defensive tackle Earl Mitchell. Safety is Abdul Kudis and defensive end Dion Jordan. But uh, they retained uh, Kevin Stills, uh, Kenny Stills. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him leaving, but he managed to, they managed to resign him before free agency opened, and a lot of that was because they like Adam Gase. There's a lot of, a lot of people who like Adam Gase. But we got Ryan Tannehill coming back from an ACL injury, didn't need, didn't need surgery, but he still had an injury. What are your thoughts about the Dolphins? Do they continue their rise in twenty eight in twenty seventeen, or is this was it just a false start in twenty sixteen? Yeah, um, I think I, I, you know, you've heard me talk multiple times on the podcast. I'm a huge Adam Gase guy. Um, I think the offseason they had taking Charles Harris in the first round of the draft, um, they've really built up that defense for the draft. Took a guard in the fourth round, um, you know, so. They built some of the, the interior offensive line. Um, I think they're on the right trajectory. I think they got more than enough skill guys on the outside. Um, obviously, starting with Jarvis Landry, uh, Jay Ajayi, his, uh, his rise last year, obviously huge for this team. Um, so I think, uh, I think they're back in the playoffs this year. I think they go 11-5, and five, and I think they hand, they hand the Patriots their only loss uh, at home in wow. Miami. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they'll be a competitive team, but at the end of the day, you still have Ryan Tannehill behind behind center, um, so they will get squashed uh, in the wild card round in, in the postseason. Yep, I can I agree with all that. But then, and we're running short on time, so we're going to go right to your favorite topic here: New England Patriots. Of course, they were fourteen and two last year, Super Bowl champs. They added Stephon Gilmore. They added Brandon Cooks. They added Coney Ealy. They added Dwayne Allen. They added Mike Gillisley. I don't even want to talk about their losses because it's not even a big deal. They did a masterful job in the off season. What are your thoughts on the Patriots? Yeah, they lost no one of importance, and they added uh, players to make them better at positions of strength. You know, you, you win a Super yeah, Bowl I, without going down to you get them back. You add Brandon Cooks to a receiving core that was already dynamic to the point that Danny Amendola, you know, 
is fighting for a job a little bit. Malcolm Mitchell in his second season is only going to get better. Um, I think Dwayne Allen will be more productive here than he was in Indianapolis, and I loved him in Indianapolis. Um, they didn't really lose anybody of significance on the defense. You know, Malcolm Butler now has Stephon Gilmore to go with them back there. I mean, it just popped down, and I think and I think their draft picks will be sneaky. You know, I think uh, uh, Dietrich Wise will be actually a, a productive player this year. and need some more playing time. You got Coney Ely. You have Trey Flowers, who didn't really emerge until the halfway point last year. Um, again, I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago. The only issue on this team is that Steven uh, Gostowski scares me. But with how good this team is, I don't know how many times they're going to be in a position where they really need the guy this year. Yeah, I'd like to say the only thing that surprised me was they paid top dollar for Stephen Gilmore. Normally, the Patriots don't do that. They're a good enough team that they just have the market come to them. But they uh, they got him for a five-year contract worth $65 million, which was top dollar, full market price. But, hey, it ended up being a brilliant move at the end of the day. I hate to say it, but I can't see anybody really competing with the Patriots on the AFC side um, as far as getting to the Super Bowl. So, um, And then Mike Gillisley, masterful, and, of course, getting Dwayne Allen before Martellus Bennett's even out the door. Uh, another masterful move. All right, uh, we're out of time, so we can't talk any more about the Patriots. Sorry about that, Ryan. <laughs> we'll talk about them next week no, a little no. bit. All right, so give us your uh, Twitter and your Instagram so people can follow you. Yep, the Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time, and my Twitter is at Ryan Whitfield any. And you can follow me at FB Garbage Time, and we'll be back again previewing another division next week. So come back and join us then, and we'll give Ryan another chance to talk about his Patriots, to love it or hate it. Just tweet it out to him and let him know how you feel. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. And congrats to Eddie Lacy for only being semi-fender now. <laughs> right. We didn't even talk about Eddie Lacy. Oh, no. Next week. And no Kaepernick. We didn't talk about Kaepernick this week. Oh, what a statue. <laughs>